were pretty happy where we were. Uh, at least I was pretty happy. Ken was starting to show a little bit of um, unhappiness about his job. I didn't love it. Um, so I was having a bit of an early midlife crisis as to like, what is my life going to be? That's Mindy and Ken Jennings. You probably know Ken as the current host of Jeopardy and the winningest of all Jeopardy contestants. But back in 2004, he was a software engineer living in Utah with his 18-month-old son and his wife Mindy in their first home, a little house in Salt Lake City. And he was wondering, what were his dreams anyway? This is Jeopardy! Now entering the studio are today's contestants. A graduate student originally from Whiting, Iowa... I'd been a Jeopardy fan my whole life. Um, every day after school, Jeopardy and Wheel were on. So me and all my friends ran home from school every day, got off the bus, ran home, and watched Jeopardy obsessively. Thank you, Johnny. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our show. As we wrap up the week, we have three newcomers with us. And the reason, of course, is... This was in South Korea, where Ken spent most of his childhood. His father's work had brought the family to Seoul, and there weren't many reminders of the U.S. If somebody sent home a videotape that had a bunch of Burger King commercials or SNL sketches or whatever it was, we would just wear that thing out because we had so little of it. So we treated American culture the way a thirsty person treats water. Ken's love of Jeopardy endured even after they moved back to the States. He went on to be captain of a quiz bowl team in college. At the age of 29, Ken was looking at his life laid out in front of him, and he thought, it's time to take a chance. So he reached out to his college roommate, Earl Cahill. He called and said, do you want to drive down and audition with me? Let's do it. Let's drive all night and go try a Jeopardy audition. And I thought about it for maybe two seconds and I said, sure, why not? Ken convinced Earl to drop everything and drive from Utah to L.A. That's a 10-hour drive over 650 miles. The plan was if one of us got on and the other didn't, the person who didn't get on didn't have to pay for gas. I remember Ken's audition very well. It was at the Radisson in Culver City. That is the inimitable Maggie Speak, former producer whose entire job was finding contestants for each show. Ken's college roommate Earl remembers it feeling like pretty long odds. There was some staff. They walked us through what the day was going to be like. And they said something like, we were just in Vegas and we gave the test there. And there were 300 people and no one passed. You took a 50-clue written test and they graded papers. And whoever made the cut got to stick around and do a little mock game. I kept a copy of the notes I made on Ken that what I wrote was plays, all in caps. I can remember just watching him play and, I, and a smile coming onto my face because I thought, oh God, this kid is just terrific. Earl and I both made the cut and we were ecstatic. We were in the Jeopardy pool and we went to In-N-Out to celebrate. As soon as we got there, we made a double-double with grilled onions and fries. After burgers, it was time to go back to Utah, do that long 10-hour drive all over again, just to wait and wait, and wait for the call. The one every fan hopes for. To find out if they've been chosen to appear on their favorite show. Years later, I talked to Maggie and I said, I guess you were only gonna pick one programmer from Utah. And she said, oh no, you're on the list. Like as soon as Ken lost, then we were gonna call you. He just, <laughs> he just never lost. 
I'm your host, Buzzy Cohen, and from something else in Sony Music Entertainment, this is Jeopardy, the story of America's favorite quiz show. In this week's episode, Ken Jennings, the man who nearly broke the game. Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. Almost a full year after I tried out, I was just sitting at work and the phone rang in my cubicle. Hey, Ken, this is Bob from Jeopardy. We'd like you to be on the show in three weeks. And he said, well, we just barely made this change where contestants don't get kicked off after five days. They can play till they lose. And I, I remember laughing. I was like, well, thanks. Thanks, Bob, for that life-changing announcement. I'm, I'm sure that's very important. Yeah, it was very important. It was everything. So he got the call, but wait. This one single decision entirely changed the course of Jeopardy and transformed the game as we knew it. Here's the thing. Up until that point, Jeopardy had always had a five-game limit, meaning contestants could only win five consecutive games before stepping down from the lectern. Almost 150 contestants have made it that far to five games. If they knew the correct responses to more Jeopardy clues, didn't matter. If they wanted to win more money, didn't matter. Five games was all they got. Well, except for the Tournament of Champions, but we'll deal with that another time. Let me give you a little bit of backstory. In the early aughts, with decades under its belt, Jeopardy! was like a well-oiled machine. The format worked and people tuned in. There was something really comforting about knowing what you were going to get every single night. But it's also the producer's job to make good television, and they were wondering how many times could they put the same show on the air just with different contestants and different clues. Was that enough to keep viewers returning? Executive producer Harry Friedman started advocating to shake things up by lifting the five-game limit. There was a lot of uh, resistance, a lot of trepidation. The executives at the studio, I think they were really ambivalent about this whole endeavor, about making such a significant change. Harry was no fool. He knew Jeopardy's format was, well, sacred. That's what kept viewers coming back. But he also knew when to push for change to keep the game fresh. From a rating standpoint, it was kind of an easy pitch. Harry had noticed that every time a contestant won three or four times, the ratings went up. Viewers loved watching contestants go on a run. They got to know the champion and they could root for them. Luckily, Harry also had a history of making good changes on the show. Just the year before, he'd suggested doubling the dollar amounts on the Jeopardy board. And um, the studio went along with it. They agreed that we needed to keep up with the times. We were starting to feel a little bit cheap in comparison to the primetime show that was getting all the attention at that time, which was Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? 
So he kept pushing. And then, by 2003, just months before Ken received the call, Harry Friedman won support and the five-game limit was lifted. Finally, it was agreed. We would do it. The change in the rules, in some ways, to me, was exciting. That's contestant producer Maggie Speak again. I saw people do five times, and it was wonderful, and it was hard work. And so then you think to yourself, how far could somebody actually go? The truth is, when Harry first made the change, it was kind of anticlimactic. Two contestants made it to five games and then lost on their sixth. One guy got to seven. Back to Ken in Salt Lake City. So he'd gotten the call and he had three weeks to prep. He needed a plan. I decided I was going to do like a Rocky training montage, but with a quiz show. I would watch Jeopardy 12 times a week. Mindy was such a good sport. For three weeks, I think she thought, I can put up with Ken doing this weird thing. He had this idea that he needed to be sort of physically prepared for what it felt like to stand behind the podium, to hold a buzzer in your hand. So I stood behind my armchair at home thinking, well, this is probably about the height of a Jeopardy podium. And my two-year-old son. Dylan had a Fisher-Price ring stacker toy. With the colored plastic donuts, if you can picture that. And I took off the, the ring pieces and I just kind of held onto the center core of it and thought, I bet this is about the same diameter as a Jeopardy buzzer. So I would watch the show in real time, standing up, pretending to buzz in on my little plastic Fisher-Price toy, yelling an answer at the TV, and then pretending to call the next category and dollar amount. He would answer aloud with the contestant. And he did this every night. He had these pink index cards that he cut down. And so we started um, running the flashcards. Countries and their capitals, presidents and their first ladies and their vice presidents. We did every sitting U.S. senator. We did cocktails, because Jeopardy has potent potables often, and I don't drink. So we had a stack of flashcards where, you know, the front would say, vodka, orange juice, Galliano. And then you'd flip it over. Uh, that's a Harvey Wallbanger. And she'd say, that's correct. He was definitely nervous, but was trying to keep his expectations in check. I just kept saying, of course you're going to do well. And he was, you know, he was saying, well, I think you don't really know what the competition is going to be like. Um, everyone is the smartest person that their family knows, and they all feel this way. My goal was do not be the person who's in the red going into Final Jeopardy, where, where you know, you kind of mysteriously disappear from the third act of the show. Finally, it was showtime for Ken, and once again, possibility was in the air. Now that the five-game limit was gone, would someone hit it out of the park? They had yet to see it. Is this the guy who's going to break Jeopardy? And what would that mean? Had Ken's run been disastrous for the show, I'm sure that I would have been let go. That's after the break. Stick around. We hear from so many interesting people on this podcast about their love for learning. What if you could learn from the world's best all in one place? You can with Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with over 200 of the world's best for just $10 a month. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, 
computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. Confidently navigate the media with the influential, intellectual Noam Chomsky. Use science to solve your problems with Bill Nye. Or learn from the past with Pulitzer Prize-winning historian Doris Kearns Goodwin. I personally enjoy James Clear's class that is helping me build smarter habits to help tackle daily challenges. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com jeopardy. That's 15% off at masterclass.com jeopardy. Masterclass.com jeopardy. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. It's just such a terrifying day when you're on Jeopardy. From New York, New York, Julia Lazarus, a software engineer from Salt Lake City, Utah, Ken Jennings. It's hallucinatory stepping onto the stage for the first time. I feel like our brains haven't really evolved to cope with um, seeing this environment hundreds or thousands of times for the whole course of your life and then suddenly being inside it, like the stage that you've seen on TV just kind of immerses you in living color. And there's the cameras, and there's all the lights. Oh my gosh, that's the board. It seems like it's just feet away. You really feel like you can't cope with so much going on, and your brain shuts down a bit. Here we go into the Jeopardy round. Categories. Check them out. We have biography subtitle. I noticed as I stepped behind the podium, hey, this feels about the height of my recliner at home. And I picked up the buzzer that the stage manager was showing us how to use, and I thought, oh, I'll just hold this the way I held my Fisher-Price toy. Let's try episodes for 200, please. A fast-spreading outbreak of a disease. Jerry. What is an epidemic? Correct. Uh, Epi for 400, please. A short section at the end of a book. Ken. What is an epilogue? Right. I'll take Epi for 600. I guess decades of listening to Alex's cadences had kind of prepared me for the rhythm. And I, I immediately had kind of figured out how the signaling device worked and what the right timing was. Nice Greek girls who don't find a husband work in the family restaurant. Ken. What is my big fat Greek wedding? Correct. And I would just kind of give it about a syllable, an extra syllable. I shall take you to the Black Pearl and your bonnie lass. And then I would buzz. Ken. What is Pirates of the Caribbean? Right. Movies for 600, please. So maybe I have a shot at this. And you've got $17,201 more for a 37-201. And suddenly I realize, oh, I'm a Jeopardy champion. Like, somehow I'm, gonna, I'm a Jeopardy champion. This is all I wanted, and I it, more than I ever expected, and it actually happened. And, you know, this kind of wave of euphoria washes over me. After that first win, Ken Jennings won four more times. Five games recorded across two days, cinching it. Easy peasy. Just, you know, five games is the most natural thing anyone could do. Ken's gameplay wasn't particularly daring. He didn't jump around the board or make crazy high wagers, but he was 
deadly on the buzzer. And he knew his stuff. Here's game six. If this were last year, Ken Jennings would have said goodbye to us after our last program. He would have won $156,000 after five victories, and he would stand on the sidelines and wait for the Tournament of Champions. But this year, we've allowed our champions to keep going. As long the first thing that happened is the panic started to go away. You know, I'd still get butterflies and adrenaline before every game, but it would be more like, all right, it's this game I love. Like, let's see how this one goes. Game 10 with $341,158. This country has numerous national parks, including Fjordland, Tongariro, and Abel Tasman. Ken. What is New Zealand? Yes. Game 14. My Golden Bengal is this country's national anthem. Ken. What is Bangladesh? Correct. And, you know, it became less intense. You know, it kind of became almost like a summer job where, oh, hey, I get to show up and, uh, and see the gang and do my thing. Ken Jennings is a software engineer from Salt Lake City, Utah. Ken. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> I'm a game show contestant and occasional software Professional engineer game show contestant. <laughs> is your wife in the audience again today or is she back home? She is here today. She's here today. At that time, I was just starting to do crossword puzzles. But um, during one of the breaks when Alex was taking questions, he's looking out into the audience and he looks at me and he says, is Ken's wife doing a crossword puzzle? <laughs> And then he said something like, well, I guess she's gotten really comfortable here. Everyone's laughing and I'm sort of turning red. And I, I was like, no, I'm just I'm just trying to keep my head down. That's all. Game 20 with $662,760. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. What can I tell you about our current champion, Ken? He's been around longer than I have. By now, you know everything there is to know about him. You either love him and want him to continue, or you're saying, hey, he's got enough money, let somebody else pick up the cash. Ken was settling in and finding his rhythm, his groove, but he was also breaking records. Remember, the last contestant to surpass five games only got to seven, and Ken eclipsed seven easily. Ken was winning more games and more money than anyone ever had, and he didn't seem to be stopping. But the calmer Ken got, the more white-knuckled folks at Jeopardy became. Here's Maggie Speak. I think at first it was just really exciting. And then when it got past like 10 shows, I think I could see a little worry from some of the other producers, like, how are we going to handle this? What's going to happen? I absolutely was worried. Okay, so there were a few things for Harry and his staff to worry about. You might think it would be the money, after all, Ken was raking it in. But the biggest concern? It came down to what made Jeopardy Jeopardy. The material. For the first time, Jeopardy writers were creating clues while knowing that Ken might be one of the contestants. And that was kind of weird. The studio was concerned that he was being helped either accidentally or intentionally. And so the subject came up and one meeting I said, do you really, really think that the ratings are so important to me that I would risk going to prison by giving a contestant answers? I don't think so. It presented some challenges that we had never encountered before. For example, 20 or 30 games in, we knew all of his strengths and all of his weaknesses. At least, we thought we did. 
And so it was very, very important for the game material to be written in a way that respected that understanding. In other words, we had to be very, very careful not to write in a way that would make it appear that we were trying to trip him up or make it appear that we were trying to aid him in any way. I started to see clues again. This country singer who did time in San Quentin was pardoned by Governor Reagan in 1972. Jerry. Who's Merle Haggard? Yep. Then it came up again, like a month later. Hi, I'm Joe Nichols. My favorite song, Footlights, was sung by this country legend, whose name appropriately means tired looking. And I was like, oh, I remember. This is Merle Haggard. (laughs) Ken. Who's Merle Haggard? Yes. You know, we had a database, and we would go through a process called deduping, where we would try to determine if anything is being duplicated, either in tone or in substance. And, uh, you know, I guess that one slipped by us. 26 games with $828,960. When Ken made his first appearance on Jeopardy, it was still spring. Today we're into uh, July and it's going to be over 90 degrees outside. Ken was approaching 30 games, and he wasn't losing any steam. Uh, Marvel Comics Heroes, 400. The Incredible. Ken. Who's the Hulk? Yes. Marvel Comics Heroes, 800. The Amazing. Ken. Who's Spider-Man? Yeah. Marvel Comics, 1200. The Uncanny. Ken. Where are the X-Men? Right. Marvel Comics, 1600. The Man Without Fear. Ken. Who's Daredevil? Right. Marvel Comics, 2000. The Invincible. Ken. Who's Iron Man? Ken, have you done anything except read comics and watch television? Being a nerd really pays off sometimes. By gosh, it sure does, but you're no nerd. Go again. By game 30, Ken had won over a million dollars. One million four thousand nine hundred and sixty bucks to be exact. And by the way, none of the shows had aired yet. Jeopardy tapes a few months in advance, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Typically, Jeopardy mails you a check after your run is over. Uh, except when your run never ends. Once in an interview, Alex asked me, you know, how the money had changed my life. And I said, well, I wouldn't know, Alex. Generally, you, you show up and play for a day or two, and then a few weeks later, the check comes. But in this case, I was still on the show, so nobody had written the check yet. The Jeopardy staff quickly corrected that. And after the show, they said, well, let's do that interview again. And I said, yeah, yeah, you know, I get it. And Alex reaches into his pocket and pulls out a seven-figure check made out to me. And he said, let's do that interview about the money again. Here you go. And I realized, wait, I'm going to have to play three more games. What am I going to do with this? And luckily, my friend Earl, who had tried out with me, had come to that show just to sit in the audience. And so he gave me a check for over a million dollars. And I put it in my wallet. He and a friend went to get tacos with this million-dollar check in his pocket. And I guess they passed a check-cashing place. For a good few hours, then I had a million dollars of cans sitting in my pocket. And for like half a second, I thought, hey, maybe we should pop by and should have gone to Check City and committed massive fraud. I was not going to cash his check and steal his money, but uh, it was kind of fun. Ken Jennings is our champion. I have wondered... In some of your previous appearances, because we, on occasion, have potent potable, potables as a category. And you have done very well, even though you do not drink, correct? I'm a teetotaler. You're a teetotaler. You're a Mormon, a teetotaler. How come you know so much about booze, young man? Past 30 games, you can watch Ken, and it's sort of like he's coasting. 
When Ken's games finally hit the airwaves, Jeopardy fans would meet a contestant who was really in a league of his own. Ken was chipper, he was cheerful, he wisecracked with Alex like it was his second job, and I mean, at this point, it kind of was. This was good TV. Well, uh, my wife, uh, oh, she taught you how to drink? She's the boozer. Sort of. She made some flashcards and put all the ingredients of the cocktails on the back. And so uh, people who overheard our conversations probably thought we were a bunch and of And she did that to prepare you just in case that category came just up. Just in case it came up. And it has. You owe her a big debt of gratitude. I'll buy her a drink. <laughs> I was 19 when this was going on, and I remember it. Before that, we only had Albert Einstein to compare people to. But now, if you were a brainiac... Your friends could say, hey, you're a regular Ken Jennings. That doesn't happen that often. Both Ken and the staff settled into the new normal, or rather, the Ken show. Here's Harry Friedman. As I recall, we knew that we were in truly (laughs) uncharted waters, and no one had ever dominated the way that he did. So it was just kind of... You know what? Fasten your seatbelts. Here we go. Maggie Speak. When this run was happening, I got there early. I got there before 5.30. I got there as early as I could. I couldn't wait to see whether he was going to break a record, whether someone was going to beat him. Like, what the heck was going to happen? And what were he and Alex going to talk about? <laughs> Ken Jennings is our champion. He is the only person that we have had as a contestant on Jeopardy who admits to really liking airline food. Airline food gets a bad rap. I think it's just great. It's a uniquely American art form. You have a favorite meal? Uh, usually the chicken's better than the fish. That's my advice. I felt a little bad about lying to Alex. It's a little bit like lying to a priest, but, you know, I, I figured he just wants something to talk about. Every day I would show up on Jeopardy and they'd be like, hey, can you give us 10 more of those boring stories? And I'd think, no, I was out of stories weeks ago. Ken was on the show for so long that he ran out of different ways to write his name in the podium, different styles, and Alex was running out of things to ask him about. But the show had to go on. Game 49. This type of sugar that's less sweet than sucrose is found only in milk. Ken. What is lactose? Right. 59. The Trinidad completed the circumnavigation of the world in the 1520s. Ken. Who's Magellan? Yes. 63. God breathed life into some of this to create Adam and told Adam he'd return to it. Ken. What is dust? Dust is right. 65. Let's go to Ken Jennings. He was nodding approval when he looked over at Denise's response, and I guess that's because he put down the same thing. He has 74.99 and a total of 45,099 today. And now, the new all-time record, 2100 Over time, things started feeling more and more comfortable between Ken and the Jeopardy staff. A little too comfortable. A little too cozy. I was wearing a tie that was kind of fuzzing up on camera, and they said, you're going to have to change that to a different tie, Ken. And I said, yeah, I thought I might. Like, I was kind of a a pro at this point. Like, I had a spare tie in my pocket. And I was like, I'll just put on the spare. I'd put Ken up on stage, and all of a sudden, Ken wasn't on stage. And I go running backstage and the stage manager had Ken checking his tie in Alex's mirror behind the game board. And, and, you know, the producers were like, wait, no, he can't. 
he can't go over there. And the compliance and practice people nearly had a cow because they said, well, you know, what is he doing backstage? He's not allowed to be backstage. You know, what if what if he sees some of the answers? My stomach fell to the floor because I thought, oh, shit. You know, Jeopardy's rightly concerned about the appearance of everything being fair and above board. It was just like a moment of pure panic, like we can't do that, we can't, you know, our eyes have to be on him at all times. He must have felt like kryptonite because we we had to keep our distance and we even avoided eye contact. And he had sort of a, you know, a wrangler that helped, you know, had to stand outside the door when he went to the men's room. And it was, it, it was awkward at times for all of us because we had never experienced anything like this before. So remember, Jeopardy! tapes five games in a day, and then the games are broadcast a few months later. That means for the contestants in those in-between months, time is sort of weirdly suspended. Ken's first show taped in February 2004, but that first show didn't air until June, when he'd already taped almost 50 games. He and the Jeopardy! staff knew the outcome of his run before everybody else did, but no spoilers. Having to keep a headline-sized secret was no fun at all. These were all games that were not going to air for months. So I had this double life, like, like a spy where I'd have to secretly fly down to L.A. a couple times a month and then come back with this amazing, life-changing news. And that was it. My parents didn't know. My friends didn't know. My coworkers didn't know. This wasn't unique to Ken. It's actually a Jeopardy! rule that contestants have to keep mum about being on the show. You can tell one or two people, but that's pretty much it until your show goes to air, usually a few months later. As you might have guessed, Ken told Mindy. It just was kind of a little bit isolating, I guess, but it also it was kind of fun. Like, we just had this secret that just he and I knew, and, well, him, me, and his boss. <laughs> Only the three of us knew. I'd call my boss every day and be like, hey, Glenda, I, I won again. And my boss would say, oh, are, are, you, are you quitting? No, I'm not quitting. I'm just telling you I'm not going to be at the meeting tomorrow. I got to play five more Jeopardies tomorrow, maybe. But then I would go back to work and, uh, you know, go to the morning meeting after winning a, a million dollars or whatever and kind of just smile and nod because nobody knew. This, this weird thing was happening in this other planet, you know, planet Jeopardy. As Ken's episodes began to air in the summer of 2004, the rest of America started arriving on Planet Jeopardy. Jeopardy used to have a five-day limit for its champions. But now they've taken that week limit off, and you can stay on as long as you continue to win. Ooh. Well, they've got some kid, some kind of genius. His name is Ken Jennings. The guy's name is Ken Jennings. I think he knows everything. <laughs> Ken was a sensation, and Harry's idea was really paying off. The ratings were soaring. Ken's episodes were averaging over 12 million viewers. Jennings' streak is unprecedented, and his winnings thus far total more than half a million dollars. Ken is like the Energizer Bunny, he just keeps going. Jeopardy whiz kid Ken Jennings just keeps going and going. The 30-year-old Utah software engineer has asked the right questions for 19 consecutive episodes. 20 games, I said 18 before I lost track. I think they're giving this guy preferential treatment. This Alex Trebek is gonna do hard time in the old gray bar hotel. <laughs> These shows were all taped back in February. So when will Ken Jennings finally lose? He knows the answer to that, too. Brian Rooney, ABC News, Hollywood. Ken's co-workers started to connect the dots on all those times he had missed work. All those times their boss, Glenda, told them Ken was painting his basement 
see. My friend Tom at work in the cubicle next to mine um, started a ritual where every week Jeopardy would post the list of the new contestants that were going to be on this week. And every week he would print it out and tape it to the wall of his cubicle. And every night he would X out the two people that lost. <laughs> like, like I'm a serial killer. Ken didn't know it, but as he continued to dominate the game, all the Jeopardy wannabes and hopefuls out there were taking meticulous notes. That's after the break. There were people that didn't want to play Ken, which makes sense to me. There were a few people, I think, that that had the flu for a very long time or a gas leak for maybe two seasons. And the people that really wanted to play Ken because they wanted to show people that they could beat the big champ. Oh, God. And they really wanted to, man. They would get into it. And that was really a fun thing to see. By the way, the vast majority of Ken's games were runaways. Most people didn't even come close to beating him. But a few did. And Jeff Suchard was one of them. Uh, My name is Jeffrey Suchard. I was a contestant on Jeopardy! in October 2004 and played against Ken Jennings. Jeff competed in the 49th game of Ken's streak. The modified goal was to be within striking distance going into Final Jeopardy such that it was possible that I could win. And ideally, to have at least two-thirds of his score. It's one of the leading U.S. states in milk production. Jeff. What is Wisconsin? That's it. Got milk, 400. One of this unit of milk weighs about eight pounds. Jeff, what is a gallon? Correct. Even if I got it wrong, as long as we had wagered logically, I could still win this game. At the end of the double Jeopardy round, Jeff wasn't so far behind. He was a little less than $5,000 off Ken's lead. He was close, but not close enough. It is not a personal regret, but I regret that Ken was there. (laughs) because that meant that I couldn't go on to win even one game. Jeff was not the last contestant ready to take on the behemoth known as Ken Jennings. My name is Nancy Zerg. Nancy Zerg was dressed impeccably and just was super kind and very smart. She had this warm and open, lovely face. Nancy was called to compete in September, three months after Ken's games had started to air. Like the other contestants going up against him, she had watched his performance from her living room over and over again. But she was different from the others. When she got to the Jeopardy set, she noticed no one else was even meeting Ken's eye. It was like they were pretending he didn't exist. And I thought, well, he's a really interesting guy. Normally, Maggie would announce, hey, and this is our returning champion, Ken. He's won... 43 games or whatever it was. And you could just feel the air go out of the room. But Nancy Zerg was utterly unaffected by this. She comes, you know, bubbly bouncing up to me. Hey, Ken, I just wanted to say hi. And I remember thinking, she seems utterly unintimidated. This this might be trouble. Everybody was looking at me like, what's wrong with you? You're talking to the enemy. (laughs) My biggest worry, that I would humiliate myself on camera, (laughs) that I wouldn't be able to ring in on anything, that he'd beat me to the buzzer on every single question. A college student from Minneapolis, Minnesota, David Hankins. A realtor from Ventura, California, Nancy Zerg. And um, there I was, standing next to Ken, and um, a little nervous, but I just decided I would 
just focus and answer as many as I could and get in as often as I could. Thank you, Johnny Gilbert. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I know, I know you're wondering, has Ken Jennings quit his day job yet? I kept thinking if I can just stay within striking distance by Final Jeopardy, I've got a good shot because I'm usually pretty good at Final Jeopardy. No suit for you for 400. Billy B, Billy Do, Bouillabaisse. Ken. What is Billadou? Yes. Bourride, rond de jambe, assopao de pollo. David. What is bourride? No. Nancy. What is rond de jambe? Yes. And in the double jeopardy round, I found two daily doubles, which normally would have been the way I put the game away. Answer. The other daily doubles. About a minute to go now. And I didn't know either of them. When we got to final jeopardy, it was just the two of us. The category is business and industry, and here is the clue, ladies and gentlemen. Most of this firm's 70,000 seasonal white-collar employees work only four months a year. 30 seconds, good luck. I got nothing, and I can hear Nancy writing immediately. I have a friend who's a CPA, um, and I know that it's really hard to get together with him during tax time, and I thought about that and went, oh, of course, it's taxes. You can hear the, the light pan on the little screen. Nancy, you wrote down your response rather quickly, I thought. I hope it's correct. Let's I take a look. I so What is H&R Block? You're right. Your wager, 4,401, taking you up to 14,401. You have a $1 lead over Ken Jennings right now. And his final response was... Oh. FedEx, his wager was 5,601. The immediate reaction in the studio was this huge gasp, this <gasps> from the audience. And suddenly it was over and, uh, and I had won. He winds up in second place with 87.99 and Nancy Zerg, congratulations, you are indeed a giant killer. Leading up to this moment, Alex and the producers could see the contestants' Final Jeopardy responses before anyone else. And even they couldn't believe what they were seeing. They were in shock. They couldn't fully process that the Ken Jennings had just lost. Our new Jeopardy champion, 14,401. Ken, take a look at the audience. The audience is paying tribute to not only Nancy, but to you. And there's a big standing ovation from the crowd. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, Nancy just beat the big champ, you know, so I'm giving her a big round of applause too. It did not even occur to me that they might be clapping for me as well. We'll be back tomorrow to defend for the first time. We will see her. All the other contestants are coming up, just swarming around. Here's Maggie speak again. There was a standing ovation, the staff, the crew, the audience, everybody was on their feet, half of us in tears. I'm not sure if it was pent-up emotion, pent-up anticipation, or, or just sheer relief. But a lot of the staff did cry when Ken was defeated because he had become a hero of sorts to a lot of people. Ken's wife, Mindy, hadn't even heard the news yet. Maggie Speak took Ken to the green room so he could call her. I knew right away that something was wrong because when he called me, it was midday. It wasn't evening. And I remember this moment of relief, like, oh, this is it. This is how it ends. I can go back to my normal life. This is fine. You know, he did something incredible. 
And now it was time for us to see what came next. The next day, I woke up and I thought, oh, people are playing Jeopardy today without me. You know, like, I don't get to see all my friends again. Ken had reached the end of his 74-game streak, winning $2.5 million. Ken made a bigger splash than anyone had ever dreamed of or fretted over. My run shouldn't have happened, but I think it was really kind of good for reframing what the show can be. It shouldn't have happened? More like, how could it have happened? So many weird things had to line up to make the improbable possible. I did game shows my entire life. I started when I was 17 years old. And so to watch this all unfold with Ken, we had seen something that has never been seen since, had never been seen before. And I don't know if it ever will be seen again, a contestant that was that successful, that belonged on that stage, that did what he had to do so well. Ken has 19 of the 20 most watched episodes of Jeopardy, led by his final appearance, losing to Nancy Zerg on November 30th. More than 17 million people tuned in to watch that happen. Harry's gamble paid off, and to this day, staffers credit him as a boss who kept Jeopardy current while preserving what made the game so special. Now in, now in hindsight, 74 games still seems unattainable. He became a part of us and a part of, of who we were and brought us a lot of recognition and a lot of viewers. No one has come even close to beating Ken's record. More than making careers or shattering the dreams of Jeopardy hopefuls, Ken's winning streak paved the way for the rise of the super champ, forever altering the game of Jeopardy. Back in the 60s and up until the 90s, Jeopardy wasn't the game you would recognize today. Categories were printed on paper, contestants won prizes like tubes of crescent rolls or free laxatives for life. But in the post-Ken Jennings era, Jeopardy had evolved. It was now a game where people played to win and to win big. The audience was still playing from the couch, testing their knowledge and gathering with their family. But now, fans rooted for their favorite contestants. They cheered for some, they booed for others. Heroes and villains were born. The era of the super champ had begun. Next time on This Is Jeopardy, the story of America's favorite quiz show. Given that he won over 70 games, there's over 140 people out there whose dreams were dashed just like mine. What I think would be really awesome is the Ken Jennings Roadkill Tournament. This is Jeopardy, the story of America's favorite quiz show, is a production of Something Else, Sony Music Entertainment, and Sony Pictures TV. It's hosted by me, Buzzy Cohen. This episode was produced by Mia Warren. The series producers are Julia Doyle, Sylvie Lubau, and Mia Warren. Associate producer is Serena Chow. Our series editor is Sarah Kramer. Executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs, Tom Koenig, Sarah Kramer, Michael Davies, and Suzanne Preddy. Production management help from Sasanya Davenport, Tamika Balance Kalazny, and Ike Egbatola. Our theme music was composed by Hannes Brown, who also engineered this episode. Special thanks to Charlie Yetter and Steve Ackerman, and a big thank you to the Jeopardy staff and crew for all their time and help on this. Shout out to Alexa Machia. 
If you loved the show, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.